Welcome to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast. I am your host, John. I am excited that you are here and excited about this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, The Exchange, you can go to our website at madetheexchange.com. You can always email me and I would love to answer some questions or schedule you to be on the show. You can email me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com and I will respond to you as quickly as I can. All right, let's get into this week's episode. All right, cool. So this week we are here actually live in North Carolina. So if you hear noise in the background, this just is what it is. Uh, We are here at David and Nicole Martinez's home and uh, have the pleasure of spending the week with them. Uh, They will actually be one of the speakers, well, the couple as well as uh, Nicole We'll be speaking at coming here a weekend of evangelism uh, in July, and we're super stoked about that. Uh, But we had the opportunity to have Nicole share a little bit this morning about her uh, background with church. And I think it's really important uh, for the audience to understand that David and Nicole came from a very traditional church background. They were trained as missionaries in a traditional church background. Uh, and when they met my wife and I, uh, we radically challenged <laughs> that background. Uh, and they, they really struggled with it uh, for a while. Um, and Nicole will go into that a little bit more. I don't think they struggled with it um, thinking that our viewpoint was wrong. I think they struggled with it that it contradicted so much of what they knew and had experienced, they didn't quite know how to process it, Uh, which seems to be the commonality uh, that I experience when I talk to people that have been involved in traditional church for so long. So uh, I'm going to let Nicole just kind of share a little bit. We'll kind of uh, probably banter back and forth a little bit, Uh, but I'm just excited for her to share a little bit about um, her and David's church background and then kind of what happened when she met my wife, Jennifer, and myself. We were serving as Puerto Rico, or missions, missionaries in Puerto Rico uh, when we met and uh, kind of their thought process as they were exposed to um, really the New Testament church of the idea of what that is, and which is what Awakening the Sleeping Giant is really based on. So, uh, Nicole, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about your traditional church background and kind of what happened when the two ideas collided from a biblical perspective, you know, and what you've really grown up in your whole life. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I want to say, you know, thank you for the opportunity to get to do this. How exciting and to be a part of what God is doing, especially in in the world today. Yeah, for sure. So, You're welcome. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, meeting John and Jennifer have been probably one of the greatest pleasures of our life, our adult life. Uh, <laughs> having good friends is, you know, not an easy task. Um, and especially when you have, you know, faith the way we do, uh, it's, it's hard to find people who are, you know, of like faith. And we're really thankful to have you guys as, as friends. Um, I, I do come from a very traditional church background. Um, I grew up Pentecostal, but, uh, you know, over the years, I feel like God has, you know, made some changes along the way, too. Uh, my, my parents really made it a point to teach us the word of God and to, you know, teach us how to rightly divide that and and read our Bibles and worship and pray and really thankful for that foundation Um, But as we began to grow in ministry, especially David and I both attended ministry school 
um, back in 2016. Uh, and we spent a few years in training and things like that. And we really were bought into what God was doing. We understood that there's value in learning uh, and, and learning different strategies of that too. And I think, Nicole, that's an important to point out, you know, that you guys said that you were bought into what God was doing. Yes. And I think it's really important because, you know, as we get a little bit farther in this podcast, we're going to see this collision come. And I want to make it very clear that, you know, we here at the Awakening of the Sleeping Giant podcast, we do not believe that God wasn't being used there. Absolutely. We firmly believe God was being used. But something that I have learned you know, throughout my life and scripture actually teaches this is that just because God is using something doesn't mean that's God's ideal or what God wants. Right. Right. Because even like what we're doing isn't God's ideal. We're human. We, we cannot be perfect, For sure. but I do believe it's the closest thing to God's ideal that I've, I've seen thus far. So I want to make it sure for everybody listening, like this part of a traditional church, you know, that may have, you know, an amazing experience there. Maybe they were saved at a traditional church, you know, maybe their you know, family was saved at a traditional church. That is amazing. And I, I give God all the praise for that, yeah. but we have to understand that what the enemy meant for evil God will use for his glory. Yeah. And what that means is we cannot use the outcome of something we're doing to justify it being God's desire. Right. Because God will produce fruit that brings him glory, no matter how screwed up we are. So I just want to make that like really, really clear. Like I'm, I'm not saying God wasn't involved. We're not saying right. that we firmly believe he was, but we believe he was involved, you know, with your experience with schooling because that's who God is. Right. And not just with the schooling from the very beginning, like that beginning gave us me in particular, you know, with my being raised in church and all of those things, it gave me such a good foundation of, Hey, read the Bible, you know, Hey, like, you know, rightly divide God's word, like read it, understand it, all of those things. And then as the season changed for me, you know, growing up, I, I became a part of a different church, a non-denominational church, where I felt like God was almost doing heart surgery on the inside of me uh, and, and kind of like washing away some of those, like, you know, uh, I don't know. I think I saw things very religiously and, and, and it, it really felt like heart surgery. And so that season was more of like, okay, let me, let me teach you how to love my people the way I love them. And then moving on to, you know, to being in ministry school, it, it taught us structure. It taught us, you know, strategy and, and looking at things from a different perspective. But it really gave us that heart for people and for ministry uh, and, and experiencing what it was like to like really just be out there and, and pouring your life out. Right. And yeah. And so that part really was important in, in that sense that it, it really birthed in us that heart for ministry. And so, yes, God was doing something in the season. And as we shifted and met you guys and heard all the things we did, yes, it was extremely hard for us to, um, for us to just, I don't know, we sat down in our living room after we first met with you guys and we just debated really because, you know, David, my husband was so like overcome with, oh my gosh, this is right. Mm -hmm. I, it's not all right. We don't know what to think about it mm -hmm. yet, but so, but it's right, you know, and we had to kind of work through what, what this means. And for me, I'd grown up in church, you know, David got saved, you know, later on in his life. And so, um, 
so he was he was pretty pretty okay with with the idea of this uh, but me growing up traditional church sense is is so different because you're taught so many things mm-hmm. along the way and it's almost like God has to reteach you mm-hmm. and and almost wash away the things that was there and yeah. so we went through hard seasons where it's like okay God what's happening here you know is this you know is this a part of what we're supposed to be going through like is this is confusion okay um and I don't think it was confusion in in that sense it was more you know, a challenge of our faith, a challenge of, okay, but what does the word really say? Especially having a a biblical foundation. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. You know, that I really hope that you all hear is, is this what the Bible teaches? And I think that's something that, you know, with so many things in our lives, right. I'm not going to make this about pride month, but it's pride month right now. Right. And there are so many people, Christians that I know, right that are advocating for what pride month stands for like my question is is are you even seeking what the bible teaches on that right and we have to apply that when it comes to the church as well absolutely right like just because something feels like it's working or looks like it's working doesn't necessarily mean it lines up with scripture and when when we're looking at church you know from the the traditional and we say traditional we mean like how north america does church yeah right sunday morning programs etc etc right we have to look at does that model of church align with what we actually find in scripture and the best way to do that is to look at the bible and look at the fruit of the church right and, and that's super important because when we start comparing, you know, the traditional church to the New Testament church, I think we're going to start seeing some dramatic differences. And we have to take a step back and say, hey, what am I following? What am I believing? Am I believing the system that has been set up or am I believing scripture? And am I willing to change if I'm going in the wrong direction. Right. And what kind of Christians would we be if we're not willing to change for God's word? Right. Uh, which is, you know, God himself. Right. Yes. And so if we're not willing to change be- when God's word says something so very clearly, yeah. then then how can we you know, deem ourselves, you know, good sons and daughters right. kind of thing. And not that God ever sees us in that kind of a con- in a condemning kind of way, but you know, that is a responsibility for us now. I feel like, you know, with Christianity, there's been so many different stages. And as you grow, more is required. The word does say yeah. to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we get, you know, birthed into this family as sons and daughters, you know, now we're given something much more than the world has. Yeah. And, and it requires something of us. So it is our responsibility, mm. you know, to try to try to do that. Yeah. As, as kids growing up, we have we have parents and we want to honor them and we want to, we honor them by, you know, by obeying, you know, the things our parents tell us yeah. to do in the same way. We should do that as sons and daughters of God, you know, by honoring what his word tells us to do. It's, it's that same likeness, but you know, we, we were really thankful to have had the exposure from you guys. You know, uh, we, we actually did a family Bible study. We dove into acts as a Mm. family. I think with the transition, like even our kids were, were weary with the things Mm -hmm. we were already doing. And like I said, I, I feel like God has taken us through these transitions and all these different seasons so just going through acts as a whole uh, as a family and hearing all the different perspectives and then the way god's moving in our hearts individually 
we were able to see, you know, God like really expose things in a big way that helped us really define what God's calling us to. And it really started looking a lot more like, you know, what you, you shared with us from the beginning, like the, the church just did not feel the same way. Like sitting in the building did not feel the same way. And especially when you compare it to, okay, now in Acts, here, here's how, you know, the trajectory of the things went from the way they, they taught, from the way mm-hmm. they, they had relationship with one another, from the way they, um, they met the needs you know, and I, I think today in, in the traditional church, there's so much more effort and emphasis on meeting the building's needs mm-hmm. than meeting the people's needs. Yeah. And and re- the reality is that they sold off the the, the, the physical things, the, the buildings mm-hmm. and, you know, houses and whatever things those were to meet others' needs. And yeah. so that's, that's what we're not seeing. And I think that's what brought the biggest discomfort to us is when we were in a position now exposed, and this is about three years ago in Puerto Rico, yep. exposed to what people's needs really were and seeing how little, and, I, and it's not one church or another. I think it's just in general, like we've been, you know, able to be a part of so many different churches now. And, and it's such a common thing to see that there's more needs inside that building being mm-hmm. met than than what's outside yeah. of the building, the people I, itself. Yeah, and, and I think it's you know again it's an important clarification you know for everybody listening is that we're not against like the church gathering you know together as a group. Absolutely. You know we're not even honestly against the building. What what happens, however, is is when your structure, which is what my book Awakening the Sleeping Giant is all about when the church structure is structured like a business what ends up happening is that what a business is focused on ends up being the focus of the church Correct. right and so and so if you are going to you know keep a building or have a building that's fine but we have to make sure that our church structure is structure that we see in scripture in fact, a, a local traditional church that we've we've been part of now for maybe about a past, the past year or so, um, kind of going on and off. You know what really made our family curious about what they were doing is uh, I was actually driving to the airport to drop my wife off, and I just said, "Hey, I just felt led to go to this church and just kind of see what they're doing." Right. And so I went and that service was actually the service where they made an announcement that they were restructuring their entire leadership platform of their church because their pastor had quit unexpectedly. And they made the announcement that they were not hiring a new pastor. They were not even assigning a new pastor. They were restructuring the entire leadership because they felt that what they were doing was not biblical. And they stated that from stage. And that just like blew my mind. I was like, you do not hear this in the traditional church. So we really stuck around and actually started getting involved in some conversations with some of the elders. And, you know, I sat down with them, you know, went to their house and just kind of had some conversations with them, you know, about why they were doing this, like what really led them to that. And it's that exact reason they started realizing that the structure they were using, A, you didn't find in scripture. Right. Right. You, you can't argue that you find the traditional structure anywhere in scripture. Right. Right. So they realized that and they realized that needs weren't being met. 
The body wasn't being the body. There's real no real relationships in the church. And so they started changing, you know, some things. And and now they they still have a long way to go. Like you can't yeah, just sure. all of a sudden change and like it's a complete mindset shift. Well, it takes so long to get you to this point of where you're at. Uh, surely it's yeah. not going to be a snap of a finger no. and change it. Are you kidding me? It's like we were exposed to the New Testament church structure, you know, in about 2016 or so. And I fought it tooth and nail, like, like tooth and nail. And I still fight it sometimes because honestly, the traditional church is way easier right? because there's less accountability. There's less responsibility, right? You can push the, all of that off to somebody else, typically the pastor, right? right? And, and I still fight that. But when I look at scripture, it doesn't align with that. And what I'm so proud of, you know, about you know, the church that we've been you know, connected with, which is Corner Bible Church there in Allegan, Michigan. You know, we, we as a family had a personal financial need. And I have struggled for years asking the church for help yeah. uh, because of an experience. About 15 years ago, we approached a, the church that we were part of for 12 years. Uh, never asked for help, never was really in need, but we needed help to pay one month's rent. And, and they wouldn't meet that need because we wouldn't go through a budgeting class. You know, and that really hurt me. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? You're supposed to be the church. And you're not going to help me unless I go through this class. And, and, and that really you know, put a scar there. And so I was really reluctant to ask this church like for help. But I was, I was in a position where I either needed to ask the state of Michigan for help or the church. And the Lord said very clearly, like, John, ask the church, ask the church for help. That's what they're there for. Right. So I took like it took all of the effort in me and I, I messaged, you know, um, Davis, which is one of the, the pastors there, you know, and pastors, I mean, giftings. Right. You know, and and I said, hey, this is the deal. And without question, we had a check in hand next day, you know, and, and it was just like, hey, we actually want to get to know you better. You know, it's like, we don't actually know you guys very well. That was another thing. Like, we don't go there regularly. Like, we maybe right. go there once a month. Like, we have other things we do. You no, know, but like, hey, we want to we wanna get to know you better. And that like meant the world to me. Yeah. And that that is another major shift that they are taking. You know, so now they, they've taken the shift of, you know, changing their leadership, you know, to look much more like scripture. Right. And it's such a great place to be in when you are willing to change and you're ready to sit down and look at things and mm -hmm. really assess, Hey, is this, is this working what we're doing? Is this, is this biblical what we're doing? Yeah. Have we lost track of what we're doing at some point here? There's, there's this saying, one of uh, my pastors over the years used to say, he says, you know, vision leaks. And I was so confused by that. What on earth does that mean? Um, and what it means is, you know, when you share the vision for something, you know, you begin to work in it. And so you, you work, you're working on it while you're creating this vision and proposing this vision. Um, and if we're not careful, we work so much in it that we didn't even realize this thing has changed. Mm -hmm. It's no longer what we initially intended. Yeah. And so we have to continue to pull up that vision over and over again. Hey, does this look like what our vision is now? Our mission can change and which is what this church is doing because you have to you have to really come back to are we really accomplishing what we're set out to do mm -hmm. with this you know so i i, I 
honestly believe that's a great place to be. And I think we're so attracted to new things and, and that excites us in ministry, like, you know, getting to start something new, getting mm-hmm. to build something, um, you know, and, and bring help, bring life to it. Yeah. And so, so ministry does excite us and, and, and people too, like we love the relational aspect of it. Um, again, that brings us back to, you know, your vision and, and what God has been showing you. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're forsaking gathering. I think people hear some of the things and yeah. they misunderstand. Right. You know, the Bible clearly tells us, hey, don't forsake gathering. Yep. But it says don't forsake gathering of the saints. And so we come together with those of like faith because mm-hmm. we can understand, because we can, you know, we can share uh, the values that are the same. Yeah. But when you get together with someone who does not have the same belief, who does not uh, love Christ and love his church, Mm -hmm. which is the people in the same way, how can you really sharpen one another? So gathering of the saints, that's really important. But, but the traditional, as you know, we call it church has now like opened its doors to, and we open our doors to everyone as a church, but you find so much more, of the unbeliever in there. And then when things start going wrong and, and having a personal insight or the believer who has no interest in growing. Exactly. Now. And I think again, it's like school. This is the way I relate to it in a, in a school classroom, you know, you really teach at the pace of the slowest child. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if you, if you teach at the pace of the smartest, then the rest of the class is going to miss so much there. And so you kind of have to teach at the pace of whoever is the slowest. And let's think of, you know, the church as a classroom now, because really like the pastor equips and teaches the saints, right? Uh, And so in this classroom, whoever's the slowest, that's kind of technically who you're teaching to. Mm -hmm. And and what happens to the rest of the believers? Are they being properly equipped? Right. Or are they like having to wait around and kind of like, just, okay, let's just attend. Let's just do this. Let's just do that in the meantime. So it's the same kind of concept. And so we're really robbing saints, you know, of what they really need to go out and preach the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and it's been our experience in so many churches where people don't know how to share the gospel mm-hmm. because that's not really what's being taught. We're spending so much of our time in the church catering to mm-hmm. an unbeliever where that's that's not really what the Bible says the purpose of the church is. Yeah. You know, which is really, you know, part of the heart of the vision that the Lord has given us for for the exchange you know, is, is being able to, to teach, you know, the church, you know, how do you evangelize? How do you make disciples, right? How do you be the church? You know, and so part of what we do, you know, you, you brought it up earlier, you know, is making sure that your church, you know, is aligning with the scripture, you know, and we actually provide like churches, a, a healthy church assessment. And what we do with that is we, we, we look at scripture and say, Hey, what should the church look like? based on scripture and we simply write that out and have some questions and have a church go through that and ask themselves are we doing this are we meeting the needs are we caring for orphans and widows no are we preaching the gospel uh no are we xyz because it's critically important for us to look at ourselves and make sure that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing because we can get so caught up in the moment that we actually forget because we're emotional beings, yeah. right? We get caught up in the emotion and the feelings of things. We actually forget what we're supposed to be doing 
because the emotion makes us feel so much better. We're like, oh, this this is great. Well, wait a minute. That that, that may or may not be great, but is it scriptural? Right. right? Does it align with scripture? So we provide these healthy church assessments, you no, know, to existing churches, but also people who are looking to plant churches. Like, hey, is this within your design? Like, are you planning? What is your plan for all of this stuff? Right? Everybody has the quote unquote plan to meet needs, but how are you actually going to do that? Like, what is your plan? You know, and then we provide, you know, evangelism and discipleship courses that are very, very practical. Just teaching the basics of evangelism, teaching the basics of discipleship. What does it mean to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what Jesus taught. Right. What does that even mean? How do we do that? And so our discipleship course brings them through that. And I love what you said about evangelism, Nicole, is that so few Christians actually know how to share the gospel. I've actually done this, this experiment once, and I went and asked Christians if they know the gospel. And their answer is yes. And I ask them if they can share it with me. And they stare at me with a blank look and they're like, uh, Jesus died for our sins? Yeah. No, that that's not the gospel. It's right. part of the gospel, but that's not sharing the gospel. Like, how would you, if I didn't know Jesus, how would you share the gospel with me? And I would, I would confidently say 98% of Christians that I have talked to and asked that question to will have said, I don't know how. Yeah. I've never shared the gospel with anybody in my life. And they've been Christians for 40 years. Yeah. No kidding. Um, so like I said, you know, we, we've been able to be a part of so many different church ministries now, uh, just because, you know, we, we've moved around a bit and you know we've helped launch churches we've helped build some systems and things like that and i think it's such a common thing that we've seen is that you know not very many people know how to do that and not only that like just even sharing your own story uh, something that's so simple as sharing what god did for you right uh, you know we you know the bible says you know the mouth speaks out of the abundance of our hearts and yeah. if if god didn't do something good for me and that's not coming out of my mouth then then i mean it's the simplest thing ever you mm-hmm. know and so so we really have to ask like gosh what what is god doing for you like are you even aware of how present god is in your life yeah and so so yes yeah, such a simple thing that's so lacking in the church of all places mm-hmm. so so now now i have i have kind of a final question we can kind of close on this question you know is now that you've been exposed to you know the new testament Bible teaching of what the church is like what has been your experience with every church that you've tried to go to thus far (laughs) and you've tried to go to a lot yeah um so for us I think again I can't speak for everyone but this has been our personal experiences you know you, you don't make very many friends uh when you're when you're speaking about something that not many people uh have bought into yeah uh, and so it's been it's been kind of tough a little bit like you know being accepted because now yeah. it's like why are you challenging the church right you know and i'm i'm not challenging the church or actually uh i rephrase that i kind of am i'm challenging the church to you know read the word of god is this really you know, what God wants us to do. And so you almost feel like an outcast, yeah. you know, in the church. And so I've, I've 
been, you know, a part of the church and, and even in its its core and working mm. in the church and all of those things, but still feeling like, man, like we really like you, but we kind of don't right. at the same time. It's we like really, you, but if we spend too much too time much with you, I'm exactly. afraid of what's going to happen. I don't know if I like what you're saying, <laughs> you know, these kinds of things. Yeah. And I think we have a responsibility to say the things nonetheless. Uh, yeah. You know, the scribes and the Pharisees did not like what Jesus was saying. Right. Uh, they did not like the fact that I mean, he was you know, murdered for it. Exactly. <laughs> and so when we look back at scripture, especially in the New Testament, we see, you know, the persecution came really from the church. It did not come from outside of the church. You know, the, Jesus had the hardest time with people who knew scripture. Yeah. And, and I think that's an important point that you made, Nicole, about persecution, right? Jesus says very clearly in scripture, because the world first hated me, because they persecuted me, they will hate you and you will be persecuted. Right. And so I, I have a question you know, for those that are listening. Like, How hated are you by the world? <laughs> Right. When was the last time you can confidently say something happened in your life that would be considered persecution because of your beliefs? And I'm not just saying somebody not wanting to be your friend. I'm not I'm not saying, you know, I'm talking about, you know, getting slandered to the extreme. I'm talking about losing your job. I'm, you know, getting beat, getting hit, right? Like legitimate persecution. Yeah. I'm not talking about somebody doesn't like you because your beliefs are different than yours. Right. That's not persecution. That's just a difference in beliefs, right. right? Have you actually experienced pain? Like legitimate pain, Yeah. right? And are you hated by the world because of what you teach? And if you're not... I challenge you, why? Yeah. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us anything at all about being not, you know, hated. It doesn't say there's mm. going to be comfort in anything other than by the Holy Spirit. Right. You know, uh, he'll, he'll comfort you because right. he knows you're going exactly. to need comforting. <laughs> so it's, it's not supposed to feel good. You no. Know? In fact, 99% of the times initially doing the right thing does not feel good no it really challenges your flesh it really it really moves you <laughs> to discomfort yeah uh, to do the right thing and the feel good comes after yeah you know it's it's really like the reward yeah of doing good and yeah. and doing you know god's word and so i think a lot of times if we're not careful, we're basing what we're doing on how it feels well i don't feel like you know whatever uh, okay well but what does the word of God say? Yeah. And what is God actually saying about it? Yeah. Because it's not supposed to be easy. No. Uh, nowhere in the Bible does any example of Christianity, especially through Jesus's mm. life, uh, shows that it was easy. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I don't think this is supposed to be easy. Now, we have, you know, benefits of of being a son of God, being a daughter of the Lord. And, and, and those things are, you know, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, mm. uh, the grace that God gives us, you know, the heart where, you know, you probably being stoned and, you know, we still loving Jesus and still loving those people and still forgiving and all of those Stone things. Stone being stoned, not being stoned with marijuana or no. anything else. Stoned being stoned <laughs> yes. with legitimate Thank stones. Thank you for clarifying, yes. <laughs> we have to nowadays. Right. I mean, yeah. because evil is becoming right and right yes, becoming evil. exactly. And now you can get high and it's completely illegal. So yes. you have to make that, make that being, point. Uh, being persecuted, yeah. that is. So, so uh, Nicole, thank you so much 
know for for spending a half hour here with us this morning i think it was just really important for others to hear not just from me yeah. you know but from from somebody else who has been part of the traditional church who's been in ministry who's gone to school for ministry and, and has realized you know that what you were doing was not correct you know and, and you're going through that struggle right now of like what do we do now how do we change right. and you said something earlier that I, I think is really great is is that we want to make sure that what we're doing is in scripture and we're following scripture right scripture is is designed for teaching for correction and for rebuke right? right nowhere do we find that scripture is used for justification so if you are using if you're listening to this right now and there are scriptures going through your head and you're like yeah but the bible says this that is a justification statement and you're wrong <laughs> Because we 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 only justify what is wrong. We and never we can justify still what's right. So easily come back to say, yeah, but scripture also says this. And I think that's the part we forget. Scripture says a lot of things. You really have to take them in the right context. Yes. What context was that being used in? What was the scenario? What was it specifically being talked about? Yeah. You know, and I think we try to take things just the part of it that says what we want it to say in that situation and use it for something else. But there's so many other things that go along with that. Yeah. You know, so what, you know, what is the scenario? Is that what it's really meaning? Like by what you're saying, we can't just take that sentence and use it for whatever right. we feel like. You have to look at the yeah, whole story. Look at the whole thing. And scripture says a lot of things that sometimes if we compare them all against each other, you know, huh, it's all, but it says do this, but it says do that. Right, because it says do this in this context. And it says do that yeah. in a different context. Everybody loves John 3.16. Absolutely. But I challenge you to read the entire chapter of John 3. Yeah. You're going to see John 3.16 in a completely different light yes. if you've never read past it. Right. right. And so that that is so true. Like we have to make sure we're using scripture in context. We have to make sure we're not using scripture to justify what we're doing, right. but to teach others, correct others or rebuke others. Yeah. Right. It's never a justification. The Bible is not meant to justify my lifestyle or my choices. Yeah. Right. It is used to teach, correct and rebuke. Right. Everybody loves the teaching part, you know, for the most part. Nobody likes the correction they're rebuking. Right. I use it for that and I don't like it. Yeah. Like I don't like to use it for that and I don't like to be corrected or rebuked. Right. You no know, when you know, when somebody is teaching me something that's you no know, authentically scriptural, right? Yeah. But it's something that we need to do like Nicole said like it is uncomfortable. Like the Christian life is not comfortable. If you consider yourself a Christian and you are comfortable right now, man, there's so much more for you. Like get out of your comfort zone and be challenged and you are going to see your faith just explode. Because yeah. that's when the Holy Spirit really starts to show himself is when you stick yourself out and challenge yourself, you know, which is interesting because David was sharing that podcast with us earlier, yeah. you know, you know, from, from Mike Rowe about uh, being challenged and doing something that challenges yourself, yeah. you know, and uh, I don't want to challenge you guys. If you're Christians and you, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable right now, get out of your comfort zone and make yourself uncomfortable. I've been sharing posts all month long. All right. It's pride month, right? I've been sharing posts all month long, countering what Pride Month is all about. And boy, have I gotten some heat yeah. from some people <laughs> that I'm really close to, yeah. from Christians, from non-Christians. And I'll tell you, that is not comfortable. Like when I when I type up a post, like I really sit there for a few seconds, like, do I actually send this? Yeah. Because I know it's going to cause hurt. 
I know it's going to cause frustration and I know it's going to cause people to not like me that much more. Right. But I have to look past that and be like, no, like if the world is going to stand up and publicly promote sin, I as a Christian have a responsibility to publicly teach otherwise. Yeah. You know, and it's and that can be mistaken for hate. And, well, it's, and, and as it's a not. brother and as a friend, if, if I saw my friend doing something that I I could see that it would bring him or her, you know, a very bad outcome or I yeah. can see the trajectory being, hey, this is going to lead to hurt or to more pain for you or death or whatever that might be right anything bad let's just say that then i really feel like i have a responsibility to to say something because if something happens to you to my friend or to my brother you know my sister i i would feel responsible for that i would carry guilt i feel like over that because i could have said something i could have done something you know when when we lose someone you know there's things and especially to like to drugs or to whatever else then you know we we kind of think of it like oh my gosh i could have said something i wish i knew this Mm -hmm. person was suffering from depression or whatever and we really do have to think of it in the same way this is our brother or sister this is a this is a friend like what kind of person would i be if i if i saw you yeah. going down a dark path and i and i didn't say something so and you might not really, like that like right like when you hear so, hear somebody say that, you might not agree with them right you might be like yeah whatever there's nothing wrong yeah. with this you know and you may hate them you may reject yeah. them you may push them away but if you really love somebody them pushing you away is not going to stop it's you not. from letting them know like right. hey Hey, hey, if you take another step, you're going to fall off that cliff. Right. I don't I don't care. And he starts shuffling his foot. You're going to dive for that person yeah. and try to get Please them to don't. stop. Please don't. Like, yeah. You know, and, and and sadly, all too often when people are living a lifestyle of sin, and I'm not just talking about homosexuality. I'm talking about a lifestyle of sin, any sort of sin lifestyle that you find yourself in. Sadly, all too often, people don't realize that those that they thought hated them actually love them and were correct. And it's too late. Right. And, and we don't want that to happen. Right. But unfortunately, because we're emotional creatures, if we are not relying on the Holy spirit, we will respond emotionally. Right. And, and, and that's a tough thing. We got way off topic there, guys. Yes. So anyway, thanks again, Nicole, so much for joining us here on the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast. Thank you guys for listening to uh, the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast. If you have questions, like always, uh, you can shoot me an email, give me a phone call, uh, whatever you want, and I'd be more than happy to talk about it. Be more than happy to come uh, speak at your church or your event. Uh, and we do, again, provide training. Uh, you can check that out at madetheexchange.com. Um, There's all kinds of different stuff uh, that the exchange offers there. So thanks for listening. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. And that is the end of this week's episode. As always, you can contact me via email at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. You can learn more about our ministry at madetheexchange.com. And if you would like to order a copy of my book, Awakening the Sleeping Giant, a guide to living out the New Testament church that is available on our website as well as amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. If you have any questions, I would love to chat. Otherwise, until next time.